cast us out. Instead, God, you come to embrace us. In this room this morning, thankful, God, for your embrace. And so, God, through our worship, we reach out and embrace you back and say we love you, Jesus. Remain with us, God, as we sit under your word. Help us to feel the infilling of your spirit. The power of the word of God continue to transform our lives. We give you praise and glory for it in Jesus' name. And everyone said? Come on, give the Lord a hand of praise. Amen. We'll go ahead and dismiss the kids um, in this place. If you are a visitor uh, for our first time in this place, we want to welcome you. Let's welcome all our visitors. Come on, give our, our visitors a big welcome. Thank you for coming today. If you are here uh, for the first time, this is our second sermon in our Christmas sermon series that we've titled, It's Time. Everybody say, It's Time. It's time. And each week as we go through Advent, we, um, we listen for the, the theme of the Lord this week is, is hope. And I hope that uh, last week you took the message to heart and, and pushed into it. I want to thank you for affirming our budget as we move forward. Um, you know, I wasn't raised a Christian. Uh, I didn't get saved until I was 20. But in, in, my, in my family, uh, we, did, we, we didn't have a lot, but we had each other. And my dad always said this, that uh, in a family, there are benefits and responsibilities. Hello, somebody. And um, it's because of those benefits that you receive in a family that you should honor, cherish, and... Um, Take care of your responsibilities. And it's no different in a church family. There's a lot of benefits that happen here. And, and so part of the giving to the budget helps us fulfill that. And that's our responsible part of it. We're going to be talking a lot about that going forward. But if you have your Bibles, I want you to turn with me to Galatians chapter 4 again. This is our key scripture for our sermon series. It's time. And today I want to focus on hope. Everybody say hope. I want to focus on hope a little bit in the idea that, man, there's some people in here who've been going through some stuff. And, uh, man, you would say it's time for hope to show up. Watch Galatians chapter 4. This is going to be our key scripture all the way through. Galatians 4, starting at verse 4. But when the fullness of time had come, God sent forth his son, born of a woman, born under the law. Some of your translations might say, when the fullness of time come forth, God sent his son, born of a virgin. That's all right. Hello, somebody. But he's born under the law to redeem those who were under the law that we might receive the adoptions as sons. And because you are sons, God has sent forth the spirit of his son into your hearts, crying, Abba, Father. Therefore, you are no longer a slave. Everybody say, it's time. But a son. And if a son, then an heir of God through Christ. And so, Father, once again, would you bless the reading of the word to the hearing of our ear and the receiving of our heart. In Jesus' name. And everyone said? Here's a statement for you. Please, God, get me out of this. I'm the only one in this room that's ever made that statement. You ever been there? Come on, here's a statement. Please, God, get me out of this. Have you ever been there? God, help me. I mean, it's a statement of what you need saving. That's what it's a statement of. I need saving in this moment from this situation, from this circumstance, from this issue. I need a Savior. Please, God, get me out of this. Something has been lost. And because something is lost, hope is gone. Miss Rosa came up during worship and she said, I just feel this. It doesn't necessarily be a prophetic word. Just think about it. She had no idea what's in my notes. Hello, somebody. But see, there's a lot of us in this room who've experienced loss of some sort. And and that's the key anti-Christ spirit at Christmas. 
is to depress us and get us hopeless at a time when hope should be here. To cause us to think more about what we've lost than more about what we've gained. And that can come in all kinds of form. This time of year, people experience discouragement and depression and anxiety because of a loss of loved ones. If, if, we, if it's happened recently or if it's happened a while back. It's heavy on our spirits. We don't know what to do. We don't know how to carry out. We don't have to go on. Something has been lost, and so hope for the future is gone. What will become of me? How will we live going forward? Please, God, get me out of this. Are y'all helping me? Can I tell you this morning that Christmas is proof that God has heard your prayer? Come on. Christmas is proof God heard your prayer. Please, God, get me out of this. Please, God, I need a Savior. Please, God, save me. And Christmas is proof that God has heard your prayer. Salvation in, 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 in Western world religious ideas and, and thought process, salvation is defined as deliverance from sin, self, or hell. But church, it is so much more than that. See, that's the problem with where we're at in mainstream uh, religious austerity or Christendom today is that salvation, we we have equated our salvation down to just fire insurance. And let me just tell you something. Every person in here knows you need as much insurance as you can afford. Hello, somebody. But there ain't a person in this room that likes to pay for it. Why? Because we hate paying for what we can't see. Come on, church. Do you understand that if you equate your salvation experience as spiritual fire insurance, it's no wonder that you look at your salvation differently than you should. Salvation is deliverance from sin. It is deliverance from self. It is deliverance from hell. But it is so much more than that. See, salvation is deliverance from something, yes, but it's also deliverance to something. We're not only saved from something bad, somebody say amen, but we are saved for something good. Come on, y'all, it's time, it's Christmas. Ephesians chapter 2 says, in Christ Jesus, God made us to do good works, which God planned in advance for us to live our lives doing. Oh my goodness. You can't just read the Bible. You have to look what it says to us in Ephesians chapter 2 verse 10. In Christ, God made us to do good works which God planned in advance for us to live our lives doing. How many times have you ever heard a preacher say God's got a purpose for your life? How many times? How many, you've heard it so much you're callous. It doesn't mean anything anymore. That's a... All right, great. God's got a purpose for my life. Sure wish he'd tell me what that is. Salvation is what gives us freedom and power to fulfill the purpose God calls our lives to. Come on. In Luke chapter 2, come on, this is your chapter for this season. Verse 11 The Bible says this, for there is born for you. If I say for me, for there is born for you. Come on, church. This day in the city of David, a Savior who is Christ the Lord. You can't run past for you. You, You've got to underline it, you've got to highlight it, you've got to do something here. Why? Because, see, this makes Christmas personal. And that is a great struggle this time of year is you feel like maybe you can get lost in all of the chaos of Christmas. Do 
Jesus was born for your benefit. Do you understand the whole book of Ephesians? In Christ, in Christ, in Christ, in Christ, in Christ. I, I dare you the next time you study the book of Ephesians to circle and highlight every time you see the word in Christ, in Christ, in Christ. Get ready. You're going to need a couple of pens. Do you, let me give you a PD's theme of the book of Ephesians. You get the benefit of his actions. <laughs> you get the benefit of his actions. It is an incredible aspect of it. Jesus is a personal Savior. Maybe you haven't given much thought to it this way during Christmas time. Maybe you haven't thought about it like this. That, that, again, I've been reading a little bit of these surveys lately. It's been interesting as the world has changed. I, I have been really interested in how people's thoughts have changed. Come on, somebody. My, my son and I, I mean, just over, you wouldn't think, you know, some of us. Would think, you know, in the 90s, right? That's 30 years ago. My son and I were replumbing mine and my wife's house this weekend. Thank God for him. We had to tear out all the old plumbing and the pipes were bad and all this stuff. And, and we got to looking at the hot water heater. TC was born in 1990. The hot water heater was put in that house in 1992. He said, Dad, you, you know this thing, this thing is uh, probably outspent its life. <laughs> I said, it's still heating water. Leave it alone. <laughs> I mean, it just blows your mind. Even the thought process back in there. You know, we say, wow, people thought different back in the day. I've been reading some of these surveys. And so uh, maybe you have a recent survey asked this question. What do you need to be saved from? Here are some answers. They're very interesting. Worry, debt, people who hurt me, anger, my past, bad habits, myself. What do you need to be saved from? Unforgiveness. Those are all some of the answers on this survey. Here's the wrestling, church. Here's the wrestling. When people think of spiritual salvation, they've got an incredibly narrow concept. Just being saved from hell. But what does it mean when Jesus said, I came that you might have life and life more abundant? Well, yeah, of course, Pastor Don, when we get to heaven. When we all get to heaven, what a glorious day that will be. No, I'm not singing that here. Will it be? Why I got to wait? Who told me? Who told you? That's not what Jesus said. He said, be ready. In this life, you're going to have trouble and struggle. That's okay. And nobody's going to escape that. Well, what I'm saying here, church, is here's the wrestling. We think so narrowly on the concept of salvation. But God has so much more in mind for your salvation than just fire insurance. It's time, church. It is time for God's people to understand that when God sent his son to be born, he bore with him salvation. Freedom, purpose, life. That includes your past, present, and future. Help me out, Donnie. Yeah. If the grace of God, come on church, is strong enough to save me from my past. It's strong enough to save me in my present. And it's strong enough to keep me in the future. Right. Are you with me, church? I am saved. I am being saved and I will be saved. That's what the Bible says. Come on, church. The grace of God is that strong. It is that powerful. But see, we often see salvation as enough to save me from my past, but not enough to keep me for today or even into my future. Praise God that it's just going to be fire insurance. So let me, let me be straight going forward. Let me be straight right here, right now in this place. Brace yourself. Hold on to your neighbor. You are the source of most of your problems. 
You are the source of most of your problems. You can say amen or oh me. It doesn't make it untrue. Even though others cause you problems, your response probably doesn't help. I trip myself up more than I want to admit. I'm helping you. Habits you can't break. Thoughts you don't want. Emotions you don't like. Fears you can't hide. Regrets you can't let go of. You say words you can't take back. You are the problem with you. I'm going to save you four years of Bible college and, and six months of counseling in my office right here this morning. For change to happen, guess where it must start? With you. I'll change when he changes. I'll change when she changes. Ain't nobody changing. Somebody got to go first. I said somebody got to go first. If you want change, who cares? Who? See, we got to want change. The problem is we don't really embrace the struggle of change until the pain of staying the same is worse than the struggle of change. Every human born is born with an eye problem. I am by nature self-centered. I like me. A lot. That's why when me says, hey, the pantry's got little Debbie cakes in it. I usually help me out. We want our way. Somebody say amen. Sin happens when we want our way more than we want God's way. The center letter in sin is, I'm helping you. Everybody said, come on, preacher, it's Christmas. I'm getting there. Without fail, when I put me at the center, I always sin. And so sin is our greatest problem. Somebody say amen. I can't even measure up to my own imperfect standards, much less God's. How many times have you just said, I, I won't do that anymore? Done. How many have just said, this is what I'm going to do from now on? Done. And then you find, you, even Paul said, you know, the things I know I should do, I don't do, and the things I know I should do, I find myself do. Paul said, I got a me problem. I got a me problem. I got a me issue. The, the, the funny thing about all my problems is I'm usually always there. It's not popular at Christmas. But let me tell you something, church. It ain't breaking news. When God's people begin to own reality, then we begin to understand what life really is about. 1 John 1, 8 through 10 says, If we say that we have no sins, we deceive ourselves. The truth's not in us. And if we confess our sins, He is faithful and just to forgive us of our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. If we say that we had not sinned, we make Him a liar and His word is not in us. What's worse? You know it and so do I. Sin is so habit-forming. The more we do, the easier it gets. If you've ever tried to do anything by your own willpower, you understand that statement. Come on. Come on. Romans 7. 15 to 17. Paul says, I don't, I don't understand what I do. Come on. I don't understand. Why do I do the things I know I shouldn't? Come on, church. How many times do our actions shout out, I don't need God, while our words beg God for help? I'm, I'm going to say, it's on there. How many times do our actions shout out, I don't need God, while our Come on. 
I mean, our actions shout out, I don't need God, but our words say, help me, Jesus. 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 That's the war. That's the war that creates this huge conflict in our life, right? This prideful self-will that causes us to be connected, disconnected from God and feel distant from Him. That's why when you pray, God feels a million miles away. And, and you've heard the statement, if, if God feels distant, who moved? Isaiah 59 verse 2 says, but, the hum, but to trouble is your sin and has cut you off from God. Because of sin, he has turned his face away from you and will not listen anymore. Can I say this to us all, church? You were not meant to live disconnected from God. And when you do, that's when you feel this tension. The spiritual emptiness. It's a result. Salvation comes to give us freedom. Oh, help me out, church. Help me out, church. Psalms 118.5. I called on the Lord in distress. The Lord answered me and set me in a broad place. What, what, does, what does Jesus' birth set us free from? Well, I'm glad you asked. Guilt. From the past. Come on, every person in here, if we're honest this morning, would say we're haunted by the guilt of the past. Come on, even if you're sure of your salvation, it's time from time, you know, the enemy comes back and haunts our minds with thoughts about the past, about things. Come on, somebody. Let me give you PD's definition, Pastor Don's definition of guilt. It's the mental price you pay for violating your own conscience. Break the law, pay, pay a price. Break God's law, someone else pays a price. Whew, that's heavy. Break the law, pay a price. Break God's law, someone else pays the price. Come on, you, you look at who you are and what you've been dealing with in your life. You look at all the things that haunt you, the, the things that you wished had not happened in your life, the things you wish maybe you hadn't put your hand to, the things you hadn't done, the lifestyle you, you thought you had. You know how many times I ask people to come to church and like, oh, if I come to church, the roof's going to fall in. You know what that is? They're guilty about what happened in the past. You don't know me. You don't know who I am. You don't know where I've been. I don't need to know you or where you've been or what you've done because you've got a Savior who knows it all and still beckons you to come. That's freedom. Please, get me out of this. Christmas, God says, I hear you. God dealt with all that mess. Jesus was born to solve that problem. In Romans, the Bible says, for the wages of sin is death. But the gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. What better time to talk about the gift of God than at Christmas when we're starting to buy gifts, put gifts. Hello, somebody. Do you know how many Amazon boxes I burned yesterday? I thought the fire department was going to get show up. All these gifts coming in. And I'm like, none, none of them's for me. My wife's like, no, this one is for, this one is for, this one is for, this one is for. I'm like, who are those people? How come all their presents are under the tree that I had to climb up in the attic, drive, drag down, put together, put all these lights on, all this tinsel, and there's no presents for me under there? They didn't put the tree up. How come there are presents for them under there? You see, that's just it. See, God did something for you that you didn't do for yourself. Are you with me, church? It's the gift of God. Second Corinthians 5:21 for God took the sinless Christ and poured onto him our sins then in exchange he poured God's goodness onto us. Oh. If you just read the Bible. It's right I don't have a trick Bible it's right there. 
God's freedom is far more powerful than your past mistakes. Somebody say amen. And that, that my friends, is freedom. God, see the birth of Jesus Christ dealt with the guilt, guilt of our past. And it sets us free. The birth of Jesus Christ sets us free from bitterness and resentment. Nothing worse at Christmas than a bitter person. I mean, stories and famous movies have been written about bitter people at Christmas. Can I say this with all the surety I have in my life? We've all been hurt by someone else. It's terrible that we can't control what others do to us. That's hard. We can't choose how we respond. But I'm going to be the first in the room to say, I don't always do that well. Come on. And I want, I want you to understand that bitterness and resentment, it's cancer to your emotions. And Jesus was born to free you from it. He was born to free us from that. We've all got enemies. Right? Some of those enemies aren't even necessary. It's just people wanting to be, hello somebody. You know, what you, need to, you know what you need to do with those kind of people? You just need to let God judge between you and them and move on. Just move on. I don't have to say they're my enemy. I can just simply say God has not joined me with them. And I'm moving on. I don't have to be bitter about it. God has not done. Now what they do is their issue. Hello, somebody. And that's between them and the Lord. But I'm okay. I'm okay with not being joined to every person. I'm, I, you should be too. I don't want to live with cancer in my emotions because I choose not to let the Christ who was born at Christmas free me from bitterness and resentment. I love this one because I, I, you might not believe it, but I walk under this one a lot. Jesus' birth sets us free from the expectations of others. Do you, do you know, it's tough. I'm going to be honest with you. I'm just going to say it. You know it just like me. In this world of social media, when everything is going on 24 hours, people think that you're available 24 hours, seven days a week. Hello, somebody. What, what happens if, somebody, if you didn't answer somebody's message that, happened, that came across at 3 a.m. in the morning? Did you get my message? No. Guess why? Because I was asleep at 3 a.m. in the morning. And I, hello somebody. No, I didn't get your message. And sometimes if I wake up and see you sent it at 3 a.m. in the morning, I'm like, you know what? I'm going to wait till 1 a.m. the next morning to respond. <laughs> Time for a hangnail at 3 a.m. in the morning. Get a pair of nail clippers and go back to sleep. People expect, they expect, they expect, they expect. Come on, somebody. Everybody ever feel this? Come on, you got a boss man that expects, right? Come on, I know what you say. Don't go above and beyond because they'll expect you to do it next. Right? Don't go out of your way. Don't do that. They'll expect, they'll expect. Come on, you know you live under the expectation of other people, and it's horrible. Have you ever done something you didn't want to do just to avoid the disapproval of somebody else? Somebody, everybody, but say amen. Big altar call. Here's the cure to the fear of disappointment or approval. Build your life on the foundation of God's unconditional love. Love liberates. Come on, church. 1 John 4, 18. There is no fear in love, but perfect love casts out fear because fear involves torment. But he who fears has not been made perfect in love. No matter what you do in life, there will be someone who isn't going to like it. Somebody say amen. Help me out. Somebody, somebody somewhere. Somebody somewhere is not going to like it. Can I say this? 
the brighter the light, the more bugs it attracts. I'm going to shine. I'm going to just shine for Jesus. I'm just going to shine this day. And you shine and shine and shine for Jesus. The next week you come in here talking about, people don't love me. They are, I got a bunch of haters. Breno, how much haters you got? These boys, these boys rapping about Jesus. I mean, like, I'm, I'm a Breno fan. I'm a Taylor fan. I'm not the biggest rap fan. But in California... Across the street was a rave happening. Y'all know what a rave is? A club where they're partying. And then there are Christians on the sidewalk protesting the Christian rap show where they sing about Jesus instead of on the other side of the street protesting open sin and debauchery. And the world is supposed to see that and fall in love with Jesus. The brighter you shine... The more bugs you attract. Hello, somebody. It's okay. There are a couple of guys that got confused on which party they're supposed to be going to. And instead of stumbling into the rave, they stumbled into the Christian rap concert and decided this place is happening. Think we'll stay. And they stayed and got saved. But there's signs outside that's saying God's not here. But God's inside saving people. People. You always going to have some haters. Hello, somebody. Always going to have them. Doesn't matter what you do, right? It's time. Everybody say it's time. See, it's time to be set free from living in the approval of others by focusing on how much you matter to God. Watch this. Romans 8, 31. What shall we say then uh, to these things? If God is for us, who can be against us? Romans 8, 33. Who shall bring a charge against God's elect? It is God who justifies. Psalms 27:10. When my father... And my mother forsake me, forsook me, the Lord will take care of me. Hello, somebody. Jesus' birth sets us free from addictive habits. Somebody say amen. Can I say this? Good intentions never have the power. To deliver you from self-destruction. Let me, let me say it this way. Good intentions never have the power to set you free from your own self-destructiveness. If they did, right? Listen, I don't even drink beer. I got this, I got a little Debbie belly. I wouldn't have a little Debbie belly. But every time I say, I don't eat those little Debbies no more, and open up the cabinet, I'm like, Jesus, you put that there. Just blessing me. Look at you, Lord. Just smiling on me today. You try to change, but you just end up back where you started. That's called the merry-go-round of... Somebody should write a book. And you know what it does? It leaves you hopeless. Come on. It leaves you hopeless. You need a power greater than yourself, a savior. John 8, 36, therefore, if the son makes you free, come on, somebody. You shall be free indeed. Come on, church. I would that there were some people who love Jesus and understand that the Lord heard your cry and Christmas is the proof that he's answering your prayer and that you are free, not because you want to be free, not because of your own power and strength, but because God decided, he decreed that by sending his son Jesus to be born of a virgin and to die on that cross and to resurrect from that grave, that you, my friend, are free indeed. You need a power greater than yourself. 
Yes, you do. Yes, you do. And the sooner you realize that, the better off you're going to be. Christmas is the proof that God never intended for you to live this life in your own power. Can I say this? Let me just shock you for a minute. I, just, I, I want to lay a heavy on you. What if that unsolvable problem in your life is there to prove that you were never intended to live in your own power? Let me tell you something. Jesus loves you that much. I, I told one young man one time, I said, you know what? We've been on this merry-go-round of stupid too long. Jesus loves you enough to let you get caught every time. Other people might get away with it, but not you. Not you. He's never going to let you get away with it. He's never going to let it go. He wants you off of that merry-go-round. And every time, every time, he loves you enough to let you get caught. That's how much the Lord loves you. He's tired of this mess in your life. What if the answer is as simple as trusting him? Let me give you this last one. Jesus' birth, it sets us free from fear and death. Can I say this? What you really believe is proven, not in the good times, but when you stand face to face with death. And every person in this room has had to look it in the eye. What you believe... And that moment. I, I remember calling Mike Ely when Camden died. Remember that phone call? And, and I, I said, Mike, I need some help. I'm, I'm always on the other side of this. I have no idea what to do at this moment. What you believe is revealed when you have to stare death right in the eye everything hello somebody that isn't sure and cemented in your spirit and in your being is shaken most people live in denial of reality they're unprepared for the inevitable life has troubles Never is that more evident than at a funeral of a believer and the funeral of a non-believer. Assurance is much more powerful than plain hope. You see, Jesus was born to make all the difference in the world when we face death. Watch Hebrews. I'm going to read this out of the Living Bible. Watch this. Since we, God's children, are human beings made of flesh and blood, he became flesh and blood also by being born in human form. For only as a human being could he die and in dying break the power of the devil who had the power of death. Only in that way could he deliver those who through fear of death have been living all their lives as slaves to constant dread. Listen, the birth of Jesus Christ sets us free from fear and death. Here's your wrestling. Here's your wrestling. It's time. Come on, it's time for you to realize it. Here's your wrestling, especially at Christmas. Why am I alive? Does my life matter? And what is my purpose? I was at the gym the other morning. At worship team, come on. And I'm, I, listen, I love what I do. I love being pastor from Foundation Ministries. I, I love that. But I need you to understand that's not my identity. It's not. I'm a, I'm a son of God. I'm a husband. I'm a father and a grandfather. Those are my identities. Those are the things I crave. And, and I made a statement in the, in the like the other day at the gym to someone who doesn't go to church. And we were just talking. And, and they were like, but... Wait, I thought your greatest purpose was to be a pastor. And I was like, I love being a pastor. 
but I don't ever want to get my identity twisted. Why am I alive? Does my life matter? And what is my purpose? Why do we struggle with this? Because sin derailed the train of life. Jesus was born to restore us to original purpose. Somebody say amen. Listen, you're not just saved from evil. You're saved for good. And there's somebody in here this morning that maybe isn't saved. And you haven't realized how powerfully, how powerful the love of God is for you. Not to just save you from a devil's hell. But to call you into a life that it gives you purpose and value. Second Corinthians 5.15. Again, in the Living Bible. He died for all so that all who live, having received eternal life from him, might live no longer for themselves to please themselves, but to spend their lives pleasing Christ who died and rose again for them. Can I give you the perfect description of a life well lived? Come on. Acts 13.36. Jot it down on a piece of paper. Acts 13.36. It says this, for David, after he had served his own generation by the will of God, fell asleep, was buried with his fathers, and saw corruption. Can I say this to us? Listen to what the scripture is saying. Use your life to do what is timeless and eternal for your generation. I thank God for the Billy Grahams. My wife is a Graham. Hello, somebody. My, my wife's grandfather and Billy were cousins. I, I thank God for Billy Graham. He used his life to serve his generation in timeless and eternal ways. But he's no more special than me and you. You and I can use our life to serve God in timeless and eternal ways. And it's difficult to do that if you stay on that merry-go-round. And that's why you don't have any hope. There's no better description of success than that. And nothing is emptier than having a lot to live on and yet nothing to live for. The birth of Christ declares it's time for my life to matter. I need you to hear me hurting people. I need you to hear me someone who's lost hope because something has happened in your life. I need you to hear me for someone who's struggling with, the, with the, the, this, this time of the year that really doesn't bring you joy but brings you down. There's a spirit of Antichrist attacking you. The birth of Christ declares it's time for your life to matter. After 400 years of silence, God broke silence not with trumpets, not with shouts, but with something that would get anybody on earth's attention. A crying baby. Come on. A crying baby broke 400 years of silence. God finally beginning to speak. A light shone in the sky that Isaiah said those who had lived in darkness would see. There it is. Come on, somebody. All because one night, one night, just like thousands of nights before, one thing was different this night could not be ignored it cannot be avoided because it was the one thing that proves that God heard your cry for a savior that holy night that night brings hope stand with me brings hope.
this altar is open. And if you've been living in hopeless moments, a Savior, God has heard you. Christmas is your proof that God has heard your cry. Come and meet the Savior and receive his gift of hope this morning. Receive the promise of God. Receive the promise of God in this place. This altar is open. Hallelujah.
Father, we thank you for the hope that comes at the birth of Christ. God, I thank you that Christmas is proof that you have heard our prayer. God, I thank you that Christmas, no matter what, cannot be avoided. It's the one thing that proves, Lord, that you have heard our cry for a Savior. Lord, it's with grateful hearts that we receive the hope that you have heard and that you've answered. That the reality of Christ birthed into this world and into our hearts be the light that breaks the darkness of the hand of the enemy. God, I pray that over all of our church, the families in our church, God, over our community, over the world. The birth of Christ brings the hope of the light that breaks the darkness. It's in you, God, we hope. We give you praise and glory and honor for it in Jesus' name. And everyone said, come on, give the Lord a hand of praise. Joy to the world. Turn around, tell someone it's time. Let her